0: So welcome, welcome to ha ha. Last week, last week. So this guy, this this old joke I heard, I just reheard it, kind of told different. But I'm gonna tell you how I first heard it. So this guy he walks into a uh, into a diner, and uh, he's really hungry. He goes to sit down, with his friends there. So he walks up, and uh, he takes a seat, and the guy is leaned over this bowl of chili, and he's just staring into it. And he's like, "Aren't gonna finish your chili?" And the guy's like. He's like, all right. So he takes it. He starts eating. Starts eating. Gets all the way down to the bottom. And at the bottom, there's a dead rat in the bottom of the chili. Pukes all of the chili back into the bowl. And his friend goes, yeah, that's how far I got, too. <laughs> uh, that's pretty bad, huh? Our food is much better. So welcome to HaHa Tonight. Hope you've had a good time so far. Uh, Week three of three, our last uh, week in our series. As you might have known, as I've said, the last two weeks, the whole point of this series was really just to have a good time. Um, January isn't that great of a month. Uh, We just proved it with what happened last week where we had to cancel because of the ridiculous amounts of snow. It's kind of just a painful and annoying month as far as I'm concerned. So the idea was the fact is January, normally a bad month. Hopefully uh, this played a part in making it a good month. Anyone can say better month because of haha. Uh, good. That's the idea. Is it, it was at least just something fun to do on Thursday nights. It wasn't just another boring night. But it was something cool to do, and um, you guys got to eat a lot of good food for free. So tonight is our last week of uh, the series Um, And the two that I had talked to you about, these two messages, had been how the church and how God can both be fun. And I told you that this week would be about you can be fun. So it works really well because I'm a firm believer that the number one characteristic trait, character trait, excuse me, in people uh, is selfishness (laughs) most of the time. Uh, Even if you don't think about it yourself, you're probably a very selfish person. Most of the time we think about ourselves, uh, what we want to do, who we want to be. That's usually our favorite topic is ourselves. So if I can say something about you guys, hopefully you'll actually uh, get it. Um, How can we be fun? What makes us fun? And um, what would make you a funner person than maybe you are today? Um, And I kind of try to sit down and think about this. What are things that really are in alignment with being fun, with, with being one of those people that, that are really just a fun person to be around, not just to yourself, like maybe you're fun to yourself, but then also to people around you too. What makes you that kind of person? So I thought and thought, and I come up with a few things. Hopefully you guys agree with them. I think that most of you will. And they're pretty good advice. If you want, you can take some notes, good things you might want to think about in your own life. How to become more fun. How can you be fun? So here it goes. First and foremost, to be a fun person, you have to be you. Some of you guys, I'm sure, have met those people that play a role their entire life. I wore this shirt for a reason. I went to school with a whole group of kids who thought it was so ridiculously cool to pop their collar and walk around and think they were all that. Everywhere they went. There was a whole group of kids who thought this was the coolest thing in the world, and I didn't have the heart to tell them It looks so gay. Put your collar down. Who are you? You like John Travolta from the 70s? Put your collar down and be a man. There's all these people who play these roles. And it's not even them. They didn't think of popping their collar. They saw it in some magazine and their friends started doing it and they started doing it too. That's why they started to look like that. Um, I don't think these people are the people who really have a lot of fun. They're not. Some of you guys even might know some of these people and realize they're not fun. They're lame. They're, they're a stereotype of who they're trying to be. Um, they lie about who they are. They lie about what they like to try to fit in and be part of a crowd. Like I said, a lot of times people around them can really tell this. Um, sometimes it's actually painful too. You ever see those people who are the uncool cool people? You know what I mean? You ever look at the cool crowd and you can always tell there's that one guy who's really not as cool as the rest of them, but he tries <laughs> really hard to be part of the cool crowd. You see, I mean, it's painful. You're like, you, you're not even being who you're supposed to be. You're trying so hard to fit in, but it doesn't work. So really, to be fun, you have to be yourself, even if it's weird, even if yourself is kind of odd. It's cool. It's fun. Second, you need to live your passions. Easily, um, I think one of the most important things here, each of us have things that we really, really like. Things that we're absolutely passionate about. Things that we might be good at or maybe we're not even good at, but we really like. Maybe we want to be good at. Um, I don't believe that you're going to have fun in life unless you begin to live the passions that are inside of your heart. The things that are really important to you, unless you start to really grab a hold of them and say, I'm going to live these passions out, you're not going to be fun. You're not going to be fun to be around either because if you're doing things that aren't your passions, you're not going to be the kind of fun person you are when you're actually doing what you like. There's tons of different examples. Sports, cars, uh, music, theater, art, all these different things that you like. If you find your passion, man, use it and really have fun in it. Um, a big help with this, something that a reason why most people don't live their passions. If you want to, you're gonna have to really start to forget about money. This is one of the big ones with actually having fun. And I completely believe it. Um, if you want to live your passions, you're going to have to forget about money a little bit. See, people make passion, I mean, people make money their goal, their passion. But instead, money's supposed to be a way to gain those passions. You know what I mean? Instead of making money your focus, money should just be a way that you get to live out all the rest of the things that you like. Your goal shouldn't be to get money. Your goal should be to, like, have fun and go do something. Like, I like rock climbing. I want to go rock climbing this summer. So it's not the goal of making money. My goal is to go rock climbing. And if I have to work to make some money to do that, well, that's cool. But don't make money the end goal. That's what people do is they get so fixated with it that it becomes their, their primary goal. Contrary to belief, money can buy happiness. I won't lie to you. It can buy happiness. But it runs out before long. Don't tell me money can't buy happiness because it can. If you gave me a million dollars, I'd be happy for a little while. Definitely. I have a lot of things that I spend cash on, and I have a good time. But it runs out. It doesn't last forever. Sooner or later, the things that were new are now old. The things that you spent money on, um, a lot of times, if if I got a million dollars, I'd spend two million dollars, and I'd be in debt. That's always what happens, is is, is money can make happiness for a little bit, um, but it's not going to last. You have to find those passions that you really love. Um, Even people who are extremely rich always die poor. They can't take anything with them. I know it's a it's a stereotype um, saying. Uh, my pastor, uh, Pastor Steve, he's he's been a pastor for a long time, and one of the things that often uh, pastors are called to do is come in right before someone dies, um, and we don't believe in the whole like reading people their last rites, but basically be with somebody uh, on their deathbed to talk to them before before they die to comfort them, uh, to tell them the message one last time if they hadn't ever heard about Jesus Christ, or to encourage them in their faith. And Pastor Steve, he always says this, and I, it's stereotypical, but it's true, As he says, you know, I've sat next to people who are about ready to die time and time again, and he said, no one ever says, I should have spent more time at work, should have made more money, should have bought another car, should have bought a bigger house. He says, everybody who's dying always says the same things. Should have spent more time with my kids. Should have really hung out with the people and spent time with those who I love. Should have had a lot more fun and got out and did the things that I love. Those are the things that everyone regrets before they die, is not living their passions, not the money. Those are the things that always come back. Third, if you want to be fun and have fun, you have to create great friendships. Very important. You have to have someone to tell you that you're fun. Otherwise, you'd just be all alone thinking that you might be fun, but you've got to have someone to tell you People are never meant to be alone, and this, this can be played out so easily in all of us. How many of you guys have ever, yourself, or you know people, who really, really want to do something? They want to go and, and go somewhere, or they want to do a certain thing, and they'll call people, but if they can't get someone to co- go with them, they won't do it. You know what I mean? You've been in that situation? I have too. I wanted to do something, really thought it would be fun, decide I'm going to do it, try to call friends, they can't come, and I'm like, oh, I guess I just won't go. Because that friendship is important. It's fun to be with other people. Even people who are introverted, there's certain things that are really, really important to have other people around you to have fun in. Naturally, um, a lot of times we are drawn to, if not a crowd, but at least a select few people who actually understand us, who can be our friends. You know what I mean? A community. Uh, It's really important. You have to create friendships uh, that that are actually dependable and, uh, accountable. You have to have friends that actually really care for you. Um, right friendships, not wrong ones, because there's a whole lot of wrong ones out there. But you have to make good ones. Each of you should have people in your life right now who you can depend on, who can depend on you. You should have friends, and get this, that if they were gone tomorrow, your life would completely change. You said, if, if these friends disappeared from my life, the way that I live life would change. That's the kind of friends that you should have. And if you have friends like that, I want to encourage you, just kind of as a side note, tell those friends. Tell those friends that they're the kind of friends like that to you. Don't let it just go and and be passed by. But actually tell those friends that they actually mean that much to you, that if, if they weren't in your life, that your life would be completely different. It wouldn't be able to function the same way it does right now because they're that close to you. But with creating great friendships... One of the biggest things is a loss of selfishness. And this goes hand in hand with that point, but also with, with being a fun person. A lot of people would say that if you want to have fun, if you want to be a fun person, the best way is to decide what you like and just delve into it. And I already told you about that, about your passions. But there's a problem. Selfishness very, very rarely ever leads to happiness, to being a fun person. Often the selfish people are the ones who are the saddest and most depressed of them all. It's the people who begin to lose this selfishness and actually think about other people that are the ones who are actually really fun to be around. The ones who who you want to be with. The ones who have a good time. The ones who are happy-go-lucky. You see, we're not supposed to be so selfish. We're supposed to have a community mentality. Um... And when you do finally let go of some of your own selfishness, you start to develop these great friendships. You start to have all of this fun because it's not just about you, but it's about what the other people have going on too. All of these things are just some small points that you can put into play in your own life that can actually make you, I think, happier, can make your life more fun, right? But there's one really big reason why I said all these things. See, all of this so far kind of sounds like self-help. I'll tell you good ideas for your life. You can put them into play and you can go through with it. But there's one thing that goes along with this and one thing that undergirds all these, makes all of these possible. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I know a lot of you guys would think, how in the world can this make my life fun? What would? How can my life be more fun by having a relationship with Jesus Christ? But it's true. You see, as I said these things that are really applicable to our lives, ways to make your life fun, a lot of you guys have probably nodded your head and said, yeah, that makes sense, having a good, friend, you know, good friendship, identifying what passions are, being myself. These are all great things to grab onto and say, that's how you know, I really will have a fun life. And you guys have agreed with these things. But what I didn't tell you is that all of those things were characteristics of God. Do I didn't tell you, it sounded like self-help, but all the things I just listed are characteristics of how God wants you to live. Characteristics of who God is. See, uh, once again, probably a lot of you have been fooled into this notion that Christianity, a relationship with Christ, is this lame, boring, gay thing. And you've probably been led that way by a lot of people over the years giving you a horrible example of what Christ is, a horrible example of what Christians are. People who aren't fun people who don't have a good time, don't have friends and all this different stuff. And I dare to say, to uh, probably make a whole lot of people mad, they probably weren't real Christians at all. They probably didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ at all. So a lot of those people that you already have bad taste with, why don't you just wash them from your head? Because I doubt they even really had a relationship with Jesus Christ. So just forget about that, and let's start over. See, God characteristics are fun. Kind of like what I talked about uh, two weeks ago. The things I just said... Ways that you can have a fun life that you agreed with because they sound so applicable, those are God characteristics. Being you, God is all about this. He does not want us to be fake. He does not want us to play a role. But God wants us to be ourselves, ourselves only. Just preached a whole message series about how much you're worth to God. Never talked about you playing a role, but it was just about you yourself. Galatians 5.1 says this, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. See, you're, spo- you're not supposed to fit a mold. You're just supposed to be you. That's what God wants you to do. That's what God wants for you. He- that's how he made you to be, was to live this free life where you just were yourself. See, people think, God doesn't want me. He wants me to change everything about myself to be a perfect mold of what a Christian is. And then he'll like me. And that can't be any farther from the truth. See, the story that I read in the Bible says the exact opposite. It talks about God sending his son, Jesus Christ, here to this earth. And when Jesus came, no one believed in him. Everyone thought he was a liar. He was a crazy man on this earth. And he came and said that basically all of our sins had piled up and had basically made a judgment that we're all supposed to go to hell. Because it says in the Bible laws of this universe that sin equals death. Basically, all of us who have all sinned, what we got for all that sin is death, is hell. And when Jesus came, he took and he paid for every one of those with his death because he had never sinned. And he said, now all you have to do is believe in me and when you die, you get to go into life, which is with me in heaven. Now see, the whole thing about this is is Jesus didn't come and change everybody to fit who they were supposed to be, and then say, and I die for you specifically, you few that fit into my mold. No, when Jesus Christ died, he forgave those who just crucified him to a cross. He said, forgive them. See, he didn't want everyone to fit into a mold. He wasn't expecting everyone to be that exact same person who won't see an R-rated movie and decides the fact that they only do this much and they already understand everything about their faith and they already know where they're going to go when they die and they, they already go to church three times a week or whatever like that. That's not what Jesus Christ came to die for. You see, when he, it says when he died, he died for us just like we were. Not that we have to already be somebody. He doesn't want us to change everything about ourselves so we can get saved and have a relationship with him. He wants us to come just as we are and ask God to save me, just like the story says, put my trust in Jesus Christ, Christ and basically say to God, here I am. This is me. I'm not going to be fake with you. This is who I am. This is how I am. And tell God like it is. Because here's why. Believe it or not, I don't believe you're who you actually are right now. Sounds like a strange word, right? I don't think you're actually who you, who you think you are. See, God doesn't want to change you into something you aren't. God wants to change you back into something you already are. Here's what I mean. This world has made you who you are. Just like we talked about two weeks ago with that God characteristic inside us and how it gets ate away by this world, I think that when we all start out, we all understand who God is when we're just little kids, and that slowly this world changes us. It makes us harder. It makes us meaner. It makes us colder. It draws us into things that we think are really, really fun, but instead they're extremely destructive in our lives. And see, the problem is, is just like a captor uh, who takes their, their, you know, they take a person, they bring them in, kidnap them, whatever like that. I'm sure you guys have heard of it, but there's this syndrome called Stockholm Syndrome. And what happens is after someone is kidnapped or held by a captor for so long, they begin to develop a love for the person who's holding them. The hostage begins to love the captor and agree with why they're doing what they are and even begin to feel attachment and want to protect their captor. But see, it's a perversion. This is the problem, is that the world took and captured us. And it basically fed us all these lies, and what happened is slowly over the years, we started to fall in love with our captor and started to say that that's me. That's who I am, is these specific things in my life. But it's not, it's not. See, God wants you to be free to be yourself, because right now a lot of times we are playing roles, just like those people I told you about. Different things in our life have grabbed a hold of us and we've basically played into those over and over again until now. We're just a character. We're not ourselves. We're the same character of the person who, you know, is caught up in pornography and can't get out of it, Um, can't stand the way we deal with anger, Uh, hates ourselves for how rude we are to people and how we can't stand to have friendship. You just become these characters because of what captures you. He wants you to become free. Live your passions. God put passions in you. Where do you think they came from? These things that are deep down inside of you, these these cares and these things that you really want for you, these are things that God put inside of you. These are things that he wants you to just flourish in. You see, the biggest thing that often kills these, like I said, is stress and money and status and all these things that this world kind of puts on top of us. And um, these are the things that put people in early graves. These exact same characteristics, all this stress with, with accomplishment and this mindset of always trying to get forward, these are the same things that just, I mean, they kill people. It takes and puts you in an early grave. But see, instead, God says that he wants you to have a great life. You, ever, you guys ever heard Jeremiah 20, 29, 11? If you haven't, write it down. God says, I have it all planned out for you. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a future and hope for and he says in John 10:10, 10, 10, "I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better than they had ever dreamed of." That's the kind of plans that God has for you. Not like I said, to be caught up in all these things and send yourself to an early grave because it wants you to, what you want to accomplish. but instead, here he has goals He wants to accomplish in your life. And here he already has awesome plans. And instead, He wants you to be able to be relaxed in that and forget about that junk, but instead just h- count on Him to take care of these things in your life. He wants you to have a full life. He wants you to live your passions in an absolutely passionate way. He doesn't want you to forget about them. God wants you to also realize that obviously you can be crazily passionate for him. That's what happened to me. You know, I a long time ago, I started to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then through that, I became more and more passionate for my relationship with him. You know, not many people are just going to start a relationship with Jesus Christ and decide they want to give their lives into ministry and and, you know, and and speak God's word and try to teach it and stuff like that. That's all a slowly developing passion that's been in my life. Have you guys ever met those people who are just ridiculously passionate about stuff? Yes? Whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. You guys ever met those people that when they describe something to you, you can't understand it? And you think these people are crazy. They're nuts. They will describe something and their eyes just light up at something that you can't understand yet. It's that crazy passion. And you know what's strange is that people love it. Even when they don't understand it, people grasp to it. Because the world is searching for passion. When they see someone who really, really wants something, that's exciting to them, even if it's not something that they want yet. But those people who are crazy passionate, they're like, man, I mean, they're, they're really going to do something. They're going to really accomplish something. Do you see the passion that they have? You see, it's exciting to people, and that's, that's what we're supposed to be like. That's what God wants us to be like. He doesn't want us to be lame. Create great friendships. God is all about connectivity. I know I've talked to you guys about this before because it's what I try to say we should do here. Um, we see this all the way back in the Acts Church. It's hard to make great friendships in the world. That's just the truth. Some of you guys have probably tried it. People are so different, and often people are so ridiculously cold in this world, it's hard to make friendships in this world. You ever meet new people, and I mean, you can try to be their friend, but it's just like, people don't even care to be your friend in this world. You ever notice? They're so hurtful. They're so hard. People won't let you in to even one small segment of their life. It's really difficult. Um, Even if you find commonalities in one area, you invariably find that you're really different in another area, and it's hard to become good friends. But see, it's so easy to create friendship in Christ. Um, You believe, I believe, we're now friends. We're now family. See, that's what happens um, as you start to understand who Jesus Christ is. There's this huge connect between people that, I mean, just miraculously brings people together. I've met people who are Christians, and after 10 minutes of talking to them, I've talked about more in-depth stuff that I've talked with my friends for years in the secular world. Um, I've spent absolutely uh, tremendous amounts of time with people uh, in the secular realm, and it's hard because no matter how close you get as friends, there always seems to be something that kind of is off in your relationship. There's people who you meet as a Christian and you know them for a very short period of time and you feel like you're brothers. Just me personally. I only met Prince just a while back. Sitting in the crowd here, right? Just a few months ago, whatever, when he started coming to our church. I already consider Prince a brother. I mean, absolutely. I would tell him anything about myself. I hope he feels the same way to me. I, w- I wouldn't hold anything back about myself talking to, talking to him because we both share a relationship in Jesus Christ. I haven't known him that long, but I absolutely trust him because of that connect because it's so big to me. Churches and Christ provide this amazing area for true friendship to take place, where people don't judge you, where you don't have to fit into that mold that I talked about. There's a girl who comes to our youth ministry, uh, Liz's younger sister. Alice is her name. And uh, Alice is a vivacious girl, an absolutely vivacious girl. And um, she told me about this one time when she brought a friend, and uh the friend was kind of cold. He had never really been in the church at all. And as the night went on, um, he had a good time. But when they left, he said to Alice, he said, you know, what's really crazy is, is you're yourself when you're there. And she says, yeah. And he says, and you're kind of annoying. And she says, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, he says, you're just a really up person. He says, you know, like stuff like that. And he says, everyone there was so nice to you, though. He says, I never saw anyone be mean to you. He says, when you ran up to someone and you gave them a big hug, he says, they hugged you back. He says, they were so loving. He says, no one judged you or anything like that. He says, you just seemed like you were yourself. He says, I was myself. And see, that actually stood out to the kid because people actually have this real love, this real community that we can be a whole different group of people and we don't have to fit a mold, but there's true love. Um, I can tell you myself that my best friends in the world are sitting in this room tonight. The absolute best friends that I have. Um, I love them more than words can describe. I'd easily trade my life for theirs without any hesitation because of the relationships that I've built with them. Without even thought, I'd lay down my own life for theirs. That's the kind of friendship that I'm talking about that you need to have. That's the kind of friendship that God wants you to have. If you remember, too, when I was talking about friends... I said that you have to stop being so selfish or it's not going to work. Well, this fits perfectly in line with what God wants you to be. Someone who focuses on others, um, not just yourself. To stop being so selfish. Um, God says this, and I wanted to to read this to you because I think it's such an awesome, awesome uh, segment. It's in Galatians 5. and It starts in 19. I'm going to read it for you. It's talking about what happens when we're selfish. And it kind of fits this whole mold here. So it's obvious what you get, or what kind of life develops, out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. He says, that's what happens when you're all about yourself, when you're just a selfish person trying to accomplish only what you want. He says, that's exactly what you get, which is just this ugly, ugly life that ends up coming forward. But right after that, it starts talking about what happens when you actually start living a life after God, after other people. And forget about yourself a little bit. It says, But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. That's what God's will is for your life. That's what a life after his own is. So you take a look at all these things that I've said, and you're going to come up with a conclusion that I'm going to point out for you. And it's a wild one. I don't think I've probably ever heard a preacher ever say this before, but I'm going to say it to you. A life with Christ is more fun than a life without. I've never heard anyone say that, but I completely believe it. See, the world is going to scream the opposite, but it's absolutely not true. Just what we've talked about tonight helps prove against it. I've seen it time and time again in other people's lives and in my own. See, with the fun that the world puts out, there's always a price there's always something that comes along right with it. You see, with all the fun that comes to the world, there's always consequences. There's pain. There's heartache. There's confusion, disappointment, fear, competition, hatred, and hurt that come with all of the fun the world has to offer. But see, the fun that God has for you carries none of these things. It's pure, and it's empty from all these things that come back. God also gives us this really interesting thing, and I call it the quiet cool. You guys ever seen the quiet cool? Maybe? In people's. Here's the deal there's this thing that people have, it's really wild. There's people who try to be really cool, and um, you can tell it. You can tell it a lot. But then you ever, every so often you meet one of those people where they just got it. You ever seen that? The quiet cool? They don't have to say anything. They just stand there. They don't have to be anything. They're just there, and you look at him. You go, oh, "That guy's really cool. <laughs> he is really cool. He doesn't need anyone else to even tell him that he's cool." But I man, that guy is cool. Have You seen him? He just got this quiet cool that he just knows. He just knows. He knows. He knows that he's cool. So that's what God gives us. Because on top of all these things. And on top of all, um, all these things I've said, there's this overlying factor that goes right along with this. You see, no matter how much fun you have here on earth, no matter how much fun you are apart from God, there's always a small piece in the back of our head, this nervousness about what happens when we die. This nervousness about what this life is all about. And see, what God gives us is a serenity in this situation. He tells us what life is about, and we know what's going to happen when we're going to die. We understand that each moment of this life is his and ours, and we know what's going to happen when it all comes to an end. And you start to develop that quiet cool. That's really fun to have, because that worry seems to kind of just slip away. So I'll say it again, and I completely believe it. A life with Christ is more fun than a life without him. I'll give you a personal experience uh, of myself. I had fun when I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. However, just like I said, everything always came with pain, confusion, heartache, all the things that come right along with it. I had fun, but there was always a nagging in the back of my head, and always a longing for more, always a discontentment with what I had. And when I finally developed a relationship with Jesus Christ, I've had a tremendous amount of fun since then, but all that stuff disappeared. I can tell you just for myself, and I know other people probably in this crowd could tell you the same, that my life before Christ to my life after Christ is absolutely no comparison at all. My life after Christ has been a thousand times more fun. All that heartache is stripped away, and I have had some of the most ridiculously fun times in these walls, with these people, um, in these communities. So yes, it might sound weird, but I really believe it's true. A life with Christ is more fun than a life without Him. I want to pray with you guys before we get done here tonight. And uh, let's pray real quick, actually. Jesus, I thank you for tonight. And I thank you um, just for how awesome, oh God, you really are. Uh, Just this time that we took to really have some fun these few weeks, I pray you, God, that um, you would just really let it actually do something, though, God. That it wasn't just about sitting around and eating food and hanging out, but it was a time that we actually learned about you. And Lord, just, just like this message says here tonight, that you offer us a life that isn't lame, a life that isn't, um, Lord, staunchy and, and and boxed in. But instead, you offer us this amazingly vivacious life, Lord, a fun life that you want us to have, that we can be very fun. So I pray to you, God, that you would just really, uh, just, just kind of put this inside of us, that we would think about it, maybe change our view of you just a little bit. And um, I just wanted to encourage anyone who's in the crowd, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, what I talked about earlier, and you really want to, uh, just come up and see me afterwards. Absolutely, just come and connect with me. I'll be up front. Um, But I pray to you, God, that tonight you would just uh, continue to work on people's hearts. Uh, Everyone is here, realizing the fact that they don't have to be anybody um, to accept you as their Lord. They just have to be ready. So I thank you, Jesus Christ, for everything tonight. Pray to you, God, that you keep everyone safe as we go home. And um, it's in your name that I pray, Jesus. Amen.